Well, good evening, church family, and it's great to be with you here online. We wish we could see you in person right now, but we're so glad to be able to join you tonight and just spend a little bit of time right now when there's a lot of social distancing going on, hopefully creating a little bit of spiritual intimacy, spending some time with the Lord together, and spending some time with one another here online. Um, I'm joined here right now with Justin Warner, and we have a few announcements that we want to share with you as we get things rolling tonight. Just because our, our desire is that you would stay connected with us and that you would be able to have opportunities to connect others. If you're joining us right now for the first time, we just wanna welcome you and thank you for being part of this time together this evening. And we want you to know that uh, Western Hills, that we are a church without walls, that God has given us a mission to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples for Jesus. And although our campus is closed right now, the church is still open. And of course, we're joining together here on live stream, but I want you to know that's not all that's happening. Real life relationships are being shared right now all throughout the week, throughout our city, um, through our small groups. And many of our small groups this last week moved to online video calling. And our small group did that on Monday night. We had an incredible time just sharing with one another um, in that small group meeting. We would love to get you connected to a small group. And so that's our, that's our purpose as we uh, get started tonight is just to welcome you, um, to hopefully help you get connected, and then to spend a little time this evening focusing on the Lord together and worshiping Him. So uh, here's a few announcements just to help you stay connected. So during this unsure time, we just want you to stay connected. So there's two really great ways for you to do that. The first one is you can join a group. And yes, we are still having groups, even though we are distancing and quarantining ourselves to some extent. How do you join a group? Well, you can do that online, and we're using some different platforms for our groups. The best way to join one is to go to our Right Now announcement page. You can go to westernhillschurch.com forward slash right now, and you can look for the join a group image. When you see that, there's two options. You can look for our groups and get in touch with a group leader that you know directly, or you can email Pastor Brandon sitting here next to me, and Brandon will get you connected to a small group and, and let you know how you can join online during this time. The second way that you can join us is on Sunday mornings. We go live on Facebook every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. during this time. We actually go live for you at 10.20 with a countdown timer so that you make sure that you know how to access it. You can get it up on your TV, and we hope you'll join us for that. And then at 11.30 a.m., uh, our Bible Zone team comes online for the kids, and we did that today, and the kids loved it. And we hope that you will join us this Sunday at 10.30 for the adult service and 11.30 for the kids' service. Absolutely. Well, in addition to staying connected, we hope that you will stay engaged. And there's a few ways that you can do that. Um, giving online is something that you can do remotely and securely, and we want to encourage you to participate in that with us. The campus is closed, but we still have all the bills active and, and the staff active, and we're working together to continue the mission to make disciples and advance the kingdom in South Oklahoma City. And so we just encourage you to just seek the Lord. If you haven't already given this week or this month, however you give, then uh, we just encourage you to seek the Lord and ask him for direction. If you need any help with the online giving, uh, feel free to contact us. Uh, there's information on contacting us on the Right Now announcement page. Or we have a phone number if you prefer to call us. Our staff is doing a great job answering the phone remotely and uh, checking messages. You can reach us at 405 634 one four five four and we'd be happy to take that call and, and help you and then if you would prefer not to give online um, on the right now announcement page or just on google maps you can find our church and you can find our address and you can certainly send any gift in through the mail um, and then the other way we want you to stay engaged is um, if you're a small group leader or if you're part of a small group, we want you to know that we're going to be launching an online small group leadership training. What we're finding is through our online groups, man, if these groups are too big, it's just really impossible to have a meaningful video call online. And we know that the mission of Jesus is that we would make disciples who make disciples, and we would love to raise up the next generation of small group leaders. Uh, you can join us for an interest meeting on Skype. And uh, that will be on April 5th at 9 a.m. on Skype. And so you can find all the details for that on that Right Now announcement page. There's even a form there that you can just fill out to express your desire to join that Skype meeting. If you'll fill out that form, I'll make sure you get a link and that you can join us on that Skype call. So stay engaged. 
We also want you to stay informed. So how do you stay informed in this time? Well, there's three important ways we want to encourage you to stay informed, and you can find all of these ways on our Right Now announcement page. So go there now, go to westernhillschurch.com forward slash right now, and find the three ways you can stay informed. The first one is Facebook. We're posting on Facebook almost daily. We're keeping you guys informed. So go like our Facebook page and follow it for notifications. The second way is through text. We're sending out text messages to you guys regularly, and you can find a link to that on our Right Now announcement page to easily type in your name and phone number and get on our text group. And the third way is emails. So go check that out on our Right Now announcement page. Click on the email button, and you can fill out your email address, and we'll send you emails if you prefer staying informed that way. Well, we are a church without walls, and this time in our history... Uh, demonstrates that more than ever. And I've been so encouraged by the reports I've heard from small groups as they're reaching out and loving one another. As God's adding to our small groups, we have uh, salvation decisions that we're going to get to celebrate here in the days to come, and we're going to continue the mission together. So we just encourage you tonight as you join us now uh, just to be considering how the Lord would have you engage with people in your small group, with people in your circles of influence, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. So thanks, Justin, for sharing those announcements with yeah, us. No Pastor Jerry's going to come now, and our plan for tonight, we're going to do a little bit of question and answer from this Sunday's messages and um, do a little bit of summary there. But before we start that, uh, if you're online with us right now, the, the sermon series that we're in right now is called Powerful Prayers. And tonight, as we do some question and answer, we have a few questions already prepared that Pastor Jerry's going to be answering for us. But if you have some questions on the subject of prayer, we want to encourage you to post those to the comment of this live stream. And when we finish these first few questions, then we'll take a few moments to uh, review those comments and see if we can answer some of those right here this evening. And then we want you to know that the way we're going to close after this question answer time is with some time of directed prayer and just spend some time worshiping the Lord together and praying together this evening. So that's our plan for the evening. So this is Pastor Jerry Wells. If you're joining us and you're a guest, uh, he's our senior pastor here at Western Hills Church, and this Sunday's message was on the tail end of this series that we're doing right now on Powerful Prayers. Right. We have one more this Sunday, oh, yeah. um, and then April we start the new series, uh, the finale. Right. Yes. And so um, just as we think about the message we heard on Sunday, if you missed that, you can go on our Facebook page and you can re-watch that. But as, you, as we think about that message together, I just wanted to start by asking you if you could just give us a short recap. What was the heart of this Sunday's message? Well, before I recap that, I remember planning this series of messages about powerful prayers and understanding as we prepared for Mission Month how important prayer would be to our preparation as we put names on the name wall and we're praying for those folks to come to know Jesus, that it's so important that we have faith that God is going to work through our prayers to move in the hearts of the people that we're praying for. And unbeknownst to us, as we were preparing this series of messages, uh, we've entered into what is during my lifetime something like I have never experienced or never seen before. It's an experience that has shaken our whole world, not just us locally. We've been shaken here locally a number of times by powerful tornadoes, by the bombing at the Murrah building, but we've never experienced something like this in which we know that everyone in our nation is being impacted in some way by these circumstances. And the same is true for other nations and all the people of the world. It is, without a doubt, the uh, most uh, unusual uh, circumstances that I've ever experienced in my 65 years of life. And so I've, I, I, I see this series of messages on powerful prayer as it was important when we were preparing for it. There is nothing more important than praying for the salvation of the souls of people as they hear the gospel. But it's even become more important in the sense that I think right now throughout our nation there's a shaking going on in people's souls and that God is using that shaking in order to bring us as a nation, in the world, to our knees, that we might seek God once again and turn our hearts to him. 
I just believe with all my heart that God is shaking the economical foundations of the world. He's shaking the ecclesiastical foundations of the church. He's even shaking, Chris Brewster's here, the educational foundations of the world in various ways. And that shaking is not uh, without purpose. That purpose is to bring people into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. So this series of messages on powerful prayers is so critical to what we're about as a church. Our mission is to make disciples that make disciples. And that begins with leading other people to Jesus. And leading other people to Jesus, powerful prayers, are, are so important in that. So we're looking at those things that, uh, that God blesses. And we're looking at those things that um, move the hand of God when we pray. And there's lots of ways to express that, but the truth is the Scripture expresses it the best. And it tells us very clearly in God's Word, and we went over this Sunday, that powerful prayers are prayers that are based upon the promises of God's Word. We've called those promises prophecies. When God tells us what His will is for the future, powerful prayers are based upon praying in harmony with God's will. And we saw through Elijah's story that God told Elijah that he was going to judge the nation of Israel and there was going to be a drought. And that drought would last for three and a half years and then he would bring the rain. Well, Elijah prayed for that drought to happen and it happened, but he prayed based upon the word of the Lord. And then he prayed that that drought would end and that rain would come. But he prayed that prayer based upon the word of the Lord because God had already told him it was going to happen. So powerful prayers are based upon prophecy. And then the Bible tells us that powerful prayers are, based, are prayed by righteous people. Elijah was one of those righteous people that are, uh, that are pointed out in the Scripture. There's less than 20 characters in the scripture that are identified as righteous people or just people. And Elijah is one of those 20. And in James chapter 5, the Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then it gives the example of Elijah, that even though he had a nature like ours, because he had a heart for God's righteousness in his life, because he was seeking the will of the Lord for his life, no matter what it cost him, his prayers availed much. And so we see that in that story. And those are the first two uh, uh, points that we've made about powerful prayers. Powerful prayers are based upon prophecy from God's word, knowing the will of God. And then powerful prayers are prayed by righteous people. And what we wanted to, what we, how we want to apply that in our own life is we want to ask the question, as we're praying for the lost to be saved, is there something in my life that is hindering my prayers from being answered? Is there some change that needs to be made in me? Because the effectual fervent prayers of righteous people availeth much. Yeah, well, based on that, as you think about things going on in your life, your lifetime, who is it that you would want praying for you? Maybe it's from your past when you were young or, or today, but what kind of person or who, who would you want praying for you? Well, when I was a child, I didn't really think much about people praying for me. If you would ask me that when I was a child, who would you want praying for you? I really didn't have an idea who that would be. But after I became a Christian, I can tell you for sure the person I wanted praying for me was my pastor, Jimmy Draper. I respected him uh, for many reasons, but I saw him as a man that was seeking hard after God. And I just believed that he walked close to God. And I wanted someone to pray for me that I really had confidence was connecting with God and walking closely with God. He became my pastor when I was 17 years old, and then he was my pastor again when I went to seminary a number of years later when he was at First Baptist Church, Euless. My father died when I was in seminary, and I remember Jimmy calling me 
that morning that my father died. I have no idea how he heard that my father died. He pastored a huge church. But he called me early in the morning, and he prayed for me. And I, I wept as he was praying for me. I had such confidence that God was hearing his prayer for me in the midst of that loss, in the midst of that difficult time. And so I wanted someone to pray for me that I really believed was hearing God, walking with God, and also was applying God's word and commands to his own life. Yeah. So are there things that we can do that hinder God from answering our prayers favorably? Well, yes. Uh, you know, God doesn't need us to accomplish his will on the earth. He, he wants to use us because he loves us. But the, the truth is, is that he can use me or he can use someone else. Uh, everybody is expendable if you haven't discovered that yet. And so I want to be used by God. I want to be blessed by him. And I want anything that in my life that's hindering him from using me in, in prayer or in, when I'm trying to minister to somebody. And uh, back again when I was in seminary, uh, I was married and we were having a difficult time in our marriage after about a year. We had a child unexpectedly, Josh, after uh, about 11 months of marriage, and that added stress to our relationship. And plus, I was just terrible at it. I, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, you know, besides the fact that it was my first time experience, I was raised in a home growing up where my, uh, I didn't have a great example uh, as far as marriage was concerned. And so I really did not know how to relate to a woman in a loving way. And uh, so I was asked to preach a sermon for preaching class in my third year of seminary. And as I prayed about what to preach on, I knew I had a bunch of men in that class. And, you know, preaching class is very challenging to preach to. Everybody's grading you. You know, they're not really trying to hear God through you. And, and that's what I had experienced. And so I wanted to choose something I thought would apply to everyone, and so I felt like the Lord led me to 1 Peter 3.7. And in 1 Peter 3.7, the Bible talks about how husbands should relate to their wives. And it says that a husband should dwell with their wife according to knowledge. And I, I studied the Word of God to find out what does that mean. And I found out that it meant that I'm supposed to study my wife in order to know her and understand her, that I'm supposed to be a student of my wife. And in order to be a student of my wife, if you're going to be a student of anything, you've got to ask a lot of questions. What are you thinking today? How are you feeling today? How did your day go? So on and so forth. And so uh, I learned that I was supposed to be a student of my wife, uh, a, a student of learning my wife, knowing her, living with her in an understanding way. And then I also discovered that that meant I was supposed to handle her with gentleness and kindness. I was never supposed to treat my wife harshly or with anger. I was supposed to handle her with care. And the analogy that's used in 1 Peter 3, 7, it's like she's a weaker vessel. And that doesn't mean that she's weaker. It means that she is more fragile. And while men a lot of times can endure lots of harsh things, a woman, I understand, can be broken very easily by harsh words. And so I'm supposed to handle her with care and gentleness. And then I'm supposed to honor her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. In other words, I'm not supposed to make decisions independently of her, even though I am the leader of our home. She is a fellow heir of the grace of life. She hears from God, and I need to uh, treat her like a fellow heir of the grace of God, uh, grace of life that hears from God, and honor her by getting her advice, her counsel, her input, listening to her closely when we were making major decisions for our lives and our family. And so the Word of God began to speak to me through all that. And, uh, and then there's one more part to the verse. It says at the very end that you're supposed to honor your wife in these ways, and then it says, lest your prayers be hindered. Well, I want you to know, when I studied that word hindered, I found out that it meant to be throw out, thrown out. In other words, if I'm not honoring God's daughter, 
and in the way that he's prescribed for me as a husband to honor her, it says my prayers will be hindered, and it means to be thrown out. I want you to know that scared me. I, I, the fear of God came on me, and I realized how serious it was as far as honoring my wife if I was going to see God answer my prayers. And I made a commitment to God right there before I went into that preaching class and preached that sermon that I was going to honor the Lord. I could not afford to have my prayers thrown out when I was praying them. Uh, I needed his blessing. It's my greatest asset for him to answer my prayers. And so I repented right there and, and saw that for the very first time. I saw that if I wasn't lining up with the Lord, if I wasn't being loyal to his commands, he was very serious about how he was going to treat my prayers when I prayed them, whether or not they were going to find great favor with him or they weren't going to find favor with him. And so, yes, there's a direct connection between how we live and how the Father responds to our prayers. Yeah. So I'm listening to you share, and I feel like I need to throw a question in here. Okay. Because if you've been around Western Hills very long, you know we talk a lot about who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. And we know that a righteous nature is part of our identity in Christ. But at the same time, we see that James talks about the prayers of a righteous person availing much, and you're talking about hindering prayers. And so can you just kind of help us understand a little better, you know, how does the righteousness that we have in our nature play into what you're talking about right now? Well, first of all, the Scripture is really clear that when we receive Jesus, all of his righteousness is credited to our account. All of our sins are completely forgiven. Our slate's wiped totally clean. And uh, the righteousness that we need in order to be received and accepted by the Father into heaven is only made possible through Jesus Christ. And so we're totally accepted in the beloved uh, through Christ. And we have a position with, with the Father because of Jesus that will never be altered. We'll always be his child. We'll always be accepted by him. And then at the very same time, the Bible teaches us very clearly that when we receive Jesus, we also receive the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches us very spot on that there is a significant change in our inner being. It starts out by Jesus called it being born again. But there's other ways that the, the Bible expresses being born again that give us further understanding and meaning to what that is. And so Peter tells us that we have become partakers of the divine nature. And when we receive Jesus, we are not only given his righteousness as a gift as far as changing our position, but we're given his righteousness in our very nature. And what that means is incredible for us. It means that anything that is unrighteous is contrary to our very nature because we are partakers of the divine nature. And so when the Lord tells us to live righteously, he's not telling us to go against our nature. When he tells us to live righteously, and that 1 Peter 3, 7 is a great example of living righteously. When I'm doing those things uh, to honor my wife, when I'm being a, a student of hers, I'm studying who she is, trying to understand her, when I'm uh, handling her with gentleness and care, and, and, and when I'm treating her as a fellow heir of the grace of life and I'm honoring her, that's living righteously. And when we live righteously, we're actually living in harmony with who God has made us to be since we've been born again. To live in sin is to live in hypocrisy. Because if you're born again of the Spirit of God, you're actually going against your divine nature. Well, it's his divine nature that we're partakers of. You're going against his nature in you in order to live in sin. And so it's so important for us to realize that. Uh, and some people would say, well, why do I still sin? Well, we still sin. It's not because our nature any, any longer is, is, is to sin. It's because we live in the flesh, the Scripture says. And there's a law of sin in our members 
And it's like we have these old patterns of behavior and actions that are like sewn into us that are right there to tempt us as we experience circumstances. And the way we overcome the flesh, the Bible's very clear, is by the power of the Spirit in us. And part of the power of the Spirit being in us is for us to identify ourselves as the very righteousness of God. So if I'm tempted to dishonor my wife, one of the ways I overcome that temptation, or the main way I overcome that temptation, is to say, that's not who I am. I've been made by Jesus to honor my wife as her husband. And when I honor her, I am being, I am being true to myself because that's who Jesus has made us to be. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you. We're going to do one more question here, and then we're going to take a few questions through our comments on the live stream. So if you haven't already commented there, if you do have a question that you would like us to answer about prayer, we're going to do our best here on the spot and, and try to answer those in a moment. But I'm thinking about this and, and what you shared just now about the righteous nature that we have. So what, what then is the reason why, if we have this righteous nature, what's the reason why then that a believer would not live that out? Like, why would we sin at all? Well, the root of all sin is unbelief. Uh, just like the children of Israel failed to enter into the promised land initially because of their unbelief, uh, we don't enter into the promises that Jesus has given us because of our own unbelief. You've got to come to a point where you look in the mirror, you see the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No matter what you see in the mirror physically, you look beyond that and you know that you are a child of God, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's faith in the word of God. It's by faith in the word of God that we defeat the devil. It's by faith in the word of God that we defeat sin. It's by faith in the word of God that we put away immoral things. It's by faith in the word of God that we win. And, and so we've got to come to a point of dealing with our unbelief and how we're not accepting the full gospel of Jesus Christ and what he's provided for us in him. And you know, I can have a very short memory of who I am. I mean, it's easy for me to forget who I am and began to think that I'm something less than what Jesus has made me. And so it's very important that I constantly remind myself who I am. And you know how I do that? I get up in the morning every, every morning and I read the Word of God because the Word of God reminds me of the promises of God. And then I spend time in prayer and the Spirit reminds me of the promises of God. And then I hang out with God's people. I hang out with a small group of people that uh, constantly remind me through what they share of who I am and who God is in my life. And so you've got to avail yourself of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the people of God in order to walk by faith in the truth of God. And that's the way it works in our lives. We cannot practice social disconnecting in the church and expect to overcome sin and defeat sin in our life and walk in a righteous way. We've got to be connected to God's people, to his spirit, in prayer, and to his word. And then we will win. We will walk in faith in him as we, uh, as we do those things that he's commanded us to do. Amen. That's been true in my life. Absolutely. I agree. I agree completely. Well, Justin is going to help us. He's monitoring our online um, live stream right now. So if we have some comments, he's going to share. Um, I don't know if we'll get to all of them, but he's going to share a couple of those questions with us. We don't have any questions online quite yet, but I would like to ask, in light of what you're sharing um, regarding prayer and honoring your spouse, there's many things right now that we can control with uh, the world the way that it is today, especially with COVID-19 going on, and there's many things in life that we can't control, how would you recommend that we respond in a time like today? Well, we need to respond in faith, 
For first of all, we need to have faith that God is sovereign, that these circumstances that we're currently experiencing are no surprise to him. And these circumstances could not have occurred without him allowing them to occur. And so he's totally sovereign over what's happening right now in the world. He's sovereign means he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and, and we need to believe that. Once again, it comes to faith that the Lord ultimately is the ruler of this world. The Lord is the ruler of the United States of America. The Lord is the ruler of Oklahoma. He is sovereign, and he's reigning right now as the sovereign king over heaven and earth. And we have to believe that by faith, first of all, and, and rest in that. It, it brings such incredible rest when we trust in the truth that God is sovereign. And then we have to believe that God loves us. We got to believe that he loves us more than we love our own children. I tell you, I love my children. I, I love them so much. They, they can't understand my love for them. It is so deep. And, and a lot of times I don't do a great job of expressing it the way that I should. So they don't understand it. It's like I'd like them to. But I love my kids. You know, last night about uh, 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening, uh, I, got an, uh, I got a word that four of my sons were not going to uh, have work after midnight tonight. And I, I know when I heard that, that it hit, it hit me deep. And uh, they're all adults, and, you know, they're all on their own. But I thought about how difficult life could be for them and their families, the ones that are married, and those who are single with their responsibilities. And I love them, and I want to just take care of them in, in any way I can. And uh, so one of the things I did to try to help a couple of my boys is uh, I, I came up with a project for them to work on at my house and uh, <clears throat> paid them a living wage to work on this project, if you know what that means, and to bless them because I love them. Hey, my love for my boys, my love for my girls, it doesn't even compare to the Father's love for us. My... the. Any love that I have is, is just partial compared to the love that he has for us. So we not only have to believe that he's sovereign, we have to believe that he deeply loves us. And that lays the foundation for everything else. If we believe those two truths, uh, we're going to be on a solid foundation. Our lives are going to be on a rock in the midst of the storm. Yeah, absolutely. Stephen Dellinger would like to know, how has your faith grown throughout your life, Pastor Jerry? Are there actions I can take that increase my faith as a believer? Well, boy, that's a great question. How have my faith grown throughout my life? Well, it's grown incredibly, and that's one of the things we need to understand about faith. When we get saved, we've exercised a measure of faith. It's probably about like a mustard seed. And our faith has a lot of room for growth throughout the course of our life. When it talks about spiritual growth in the Bible, it talks about two very specific things. One is it talks about growth in faith. And we can grow in faith. And that, that's, that leads to maturity. And then what's more important than that is that we grow in love. Grow in love. And we can definitely grow in love and, uh, through the Spirit of God. We can do that, and that's good news for our family members because we need to grow in love for their sake and for the sake of others in the body of Christ. And so the way that that happens when it comes to faith is, is, is by trial. By trial. Our faith, it says in James, grows through trials. Now, some of those trials are imposed upon us by unexpected circumstances. But as we go through those trials, our faith is purified. And I've been through a lot of trials in my life, and everybody who lives long enough will go through a lot of trials in their lives. If we trust God through those trials, each and every one of them, as they happen, 
When you come out on the other side of those trials, every time your faith grows. Every single time. And then their faith grows by exercising the word of God. In other words, for example, there was a time in my life where I didn't give much. I was, I was greedy. When I first got saved, I was greedy. And uh, I didn't give much. I didn't give much to the church. I didn't give much to the poor. I certainly didn't give regularly, uh, consistently. Oh, you know, if something moved me deeply emotionally or something like that, I might give a few dollars. But uh, I didn't really trust God like I needed to when it came to finances. And then I was challenged by a few verses of Scripture, like, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And I thought, really? If I just abandon myself to the Lord and give as he wants me to give, he promises that he will add everything to my life that I need to honor and glorify him. Well, at some point there early in my journey, I took him up on that. And you've heard sayings like you can't outgive God. And, and all I would say is, amen, it's true. You can't outgive God. I say it all the time. I, I expect God to give me something back some way whenever I give something to someone else. I mean, it's incredible. And I've come to that point of faith now where I don't think I hold on to really anything. I, I think I let go of all of it. And there's times where you can give when you're in need yourself. And those times when God tells you to give when you're in need are one of the greatest tests of faith. But when you see God come through and you know it was him, after you've given out of your need, then your faith just grows. I mean, it's like, oh, I can, <laughs> what's next, God? It really becomes exciting to see the blessings of the Lord grow in your life through faith. Yeah, amen. Justin, do you have another question on there? Not right now. Okay, well, um, I'll just echo that, and, and we'll just close here. You know, just a thought I would add to that in, in the journey of faith that the Lord has me on growing in that faith is, um, you know, it took me a while to realize, and it was through trial that God taught me this, always, always. that faith was different than my salvation, Yes. that salvation was something that was secure yeah. and that I never wavered in and out of, right. that God gave that as a gift through Jesus to me, and I could be confident and assured of my salvation, but faith was something that I could waver in. So oh, yeah. Faith is something, something I could fall in and out of from day to day, and that just goes back to what you were sharing on the importance of spending time in the Word and being with other believers to stir up our faith. Stay connected. Yeah, stay connected. That's what we say. You got to stay connected to grow in faith. And, you know, part of spiritual maturity and the discipleship process that the Lord's led us uh, to believe based on his word is that we got to connect to God, and then we got to connect to um, a small group, to other believers uh, that are helping us in that journey. And then we've got to connect to our purpose. We've got to really understand the purpose that God has given us in our lives, because it's in fulfilling that purpose that we really um, begin to really experience more testings of those faith when we fulfill our purpose that God has given us to go and make disciples of him. And when we're not cooperating with God, we miss those opportunities to grow in faith. Amen. Absolutely. Lauren Clay asked, how can I pray in faith and at the same time leave a matter open to God's will? Let's close with that question. Say it one more time. How can I pray in faith and at the same time, leave a matter open to God's will? Well, faith by its very nature is knowing the will of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing, by, uh, hearing comes by the word of God. And so faith comes directly from the word of God. And when we pray sometimes, we don't know what the will of God is. Sometimes we do. I think that when we pray for the salvation of people's souls, that we ought to pray with absolute faith based upon many verses, but one in particular is the Scripture says it's not his will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And so when I pray for someone's salvation, I quote that verse very often. 
And there's other verses like that that we should stand on as we're praying. And we should pray with faith. We should pray with an expectation. This is going to happen because this is what the Scripture says, you know. And, and so there's many promises like that that we can pray on and pray with expectation and faith. There's a lot of things in our life, especially when it comes to temporal things, that we don't know the will of God. If you ask me, do you know the will of God for the future of America as far as our economy? I'd say, absolutely not. And I could pray right now that the economy would turn around, that it would be good again, because I care about people, I want life to be better for them, and I could pray about that. And, but at the end of the day, I don't know the future for the United States economy. And uh, anybody who says that they absolutely know it, <laughs> uh, I hope they've heard from God, because that's the only way you could know it. And so there's a lot of temporal things that we pray for that we really don't know what the will of God is. But you know what? Just by asking God and praying to him, we're depending on him. And that's an act of faith. And God delights in his children's dependence upon him. He, he wants us to be, always remain dependent on him. He wants us to be like little children, you know, that depend upon their parents. That's the way he wants us to remain all of our lives. And when we live that way, just live in dependence on him, it just brings him such incredible joy. And I, I believe there's a lot of things that are temporal things that he wants to bless us with, but at times he withholds them. And the reason he withholds them is very simple. It's in his word. He's got a better plan. You know, uh, we're praying for one kind of car, and God's wanting us to have something else, and he doesn't give us that. Or it may be something spiritual that he wants us to have, so he withholds some temporal thing that we're praying for. And so our faith has to remain in our dependence on God. That's the foundation, is our dependence on God, especially when we're praying for temporal things. And temporal things can be anything from a particular thing that we want financially or a particular possession that we want to the healing of somebody's uh, illness. Uh, it, those are all temporal things. They're temporary. They don't last. Whatever. <laughs> You know, every dollar I get today, it'll be gone tomorrow. It's temporary, you know. Uh, and so it's very important that we understand there's a, there's a huge difference between praying for those things that we know are eternal, that God clearly says, this is what I want, and we're just lining up with him, and then those things that are more temporary, where we don't, we're not sure exactly what God wants. And so... Our faith remains in our dependency upon him. Well, amen. We have an opportunity this evening to put that faith to practice and to pray together. And uh, Lauren Clay is here with us, and she's going to begin to play the piano now as we have this time of worship and prayer before the Lord. And we're going to do some directed prayers this evening. We want to encourage you just to participate right along with us in your home. And as you lift these prayers to the Lord, lift them out loud or in your heart, however the Lord leads you. But we encourage you, connect your faith to these prayers. Really trust, if you're a child of God, that God is hearing you and that you are one of his favored kids, that he loves you very much. And pray these prayers with us, trusting the Lord will hear and will answer our prayers. And let's do our best just to put to practice what Pastor Jerry just shared with us. If we know the will of the Lord on it, then pray with confidence because God's revealed the truth to us. We can pray in agreement with his will. And if we're lifting up a request that we don't know the will of the Lord on, just trusting him, that he loves to hear our prayers because he's a good father who cares for his kids. So let's do this now. Let's lift these prayers up. I'm gonna just lead us in what the prayer will be on and then I'll pause and then in that pause, you just lift up your prayers to the Lord and we'll do that with you. So the first here is we're the body of Christ. We are the physical representation of Jesus on the earth. Let's pray for God to open our eyes to see the needs of others around us and for hearts that are willing to serve.
as we continue to pray, we know that there are many people who are being impacted in their income because of COVID-19. Let's pray for provision for those who are suffering financially. And let's remember this, that for those who are God's children, He is our provider. Let's pray for those in need. It may be you, just pray and lift this up to the Lord. certainly many people that we're concerned about. Our awareness of health risk has been heightened in recent days. God is the great physician. Let's ask for God's protection and healing over our health, the health of our family members, and the health of our church and our community. Let's pray. one final prayer God is in control of everything if you were in small group this week we told the story of Daniel and the lions and in that story God used difficult circumstances to demonstrate his faithfulness let's pray and ask God for contentment in all things and for grateful hearts for his faithfulness in all situations let's pray things we trust your sovereignty Lord we know you're in control and God we trust your goodness that you want your best for your kids Lord as we lift up these prayers we ask you that you would stir our faith and God remind us that there's so much more at play than just the physical impacts that we're feeling right now Lord, that you are accomplishing in your church, in your people, and in the world a greater spiritual purpose. Lord, help us not look to the things that are seen because those things are temporary. God, help us look to the things that are unseen. Those things are eternal. Lord, as we consider finances and health and our own contentment, Lord, we pray that you would stir up our faith and we would look beyond the circumstances and we would look to you. Jesus, that we would believe that we have what it takes to navigate this well, not because of our own strength or power, but because of who you are in us. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us. We worship you this evening. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Pastor Jerry. Well, I just want to close this time with you. Thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, right now, I, I couldn't imagine being the president of the United States, the weight that he's bearing. He currently right now is in a no-win situation. Um, he knows that th there's going to be incredible devastation to our country uh, if he does not return people to work in the near future. On the other hand, he knows that there will be more widespread disease if he returns people to work, and there's going to be more deaths as a result. And so he's in an incredible position of, of pressure right now as he is trying to make those decisions and lead our country. And I want to pray for him right now. 
and he is our president, and he deserves our respect as our president, as we would respect any civil authority that's serving our nation. By serving our nation, they serve all of us, and truly, they are servants. And so, they are servants of God. And so, I just want to pray for him. What I want to pray for him is that he'll do the will of God. I don't want him to make a political decision that's best for his political future. I don't want him to make a decision based upon what men or women or political parties want him to do. I want him to hear from God and what he should do as we move forward as a nation. So I just want to pray for him right now. If you'd let me do that, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll close this time. Heavenly Father, I know your word says very clearly in Romans 13 that you have appointed folks to serve in positions of a civil authority over us. And Lord, you say real clearly in your word that they are your servants. Now, some of them don't recognize that, and some of them don't acknowledge that, and some of them don't seek you as they should. But Lord, it doesn't change the fact that your word says they are your servants, and they have been appointed by you. And Lord, we know you work through authority, and you work powerfully through authority in ways that impacts our lives. And so we cry out to you now, Lord, for our president, President Donald Trump, and we ask you, Father, to bless him with a word from you about what he should do in the days, the weeks, the months to come. Father, I pray that you would minister the truth to him and it'd be so clear to him that he will act in faith, that he will act in faith based upon your word to him and do what you want him to do. Lord, your word is filled with you speaking to kings and authority figures and telling them what to do and them doing it. Some of them were from the nation of Israel. Some of them were from other kingdoms, Lord, that were uh, heathen kings that didn't worship you, and you still work through them. Lord, we trust you to work now in the life of our president. And I pray, God, that you would grant him that, and we just rise up together and say, Jesus, Holy Father, please lead our president. And we pray the same for our governor here in Oklahoma. Lead our governor. I pray that you will speak to him in the same way. And he will, he will make decisions based upon faith in your word and not upon the pressures that he's feeling. Lord, would you do that for Governor Stead as well? Thank you, Father, for this time together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday at 1030 and use our Right Now announcement page to connect to a small group. Thanks for being here tonight.